Welcome back to Those Happy Places, the podcast that treats theme parks, rides, and attractions like literature. I'm Buddy Duquesne. And I'm Alice White. And Alice, guess what? What? It is 2021, and we are back with another amazing episode where we talk about a theme park thing that we love. Yay, I'm so glad to be here. We finally made it to 2021, and I know it's been a while since we published our last episode, but uh, we are we are back, and we are at it again. We, <laughs> we are talking about theme parks, and we're back to one of our old favorites. Yeah, I, I'm sure everybody out there knows that uh, sometimes things can get overwhelming, and, and sometimes podcasting just kind of becomes difficult to do given different schedules and obligations and stuff like that. So I am so glad to be back here now with you to just sit down and talk about Knott's Berry Farm. Yay! I love Knott's Berry Farm. I'm so glad we're back to talking about Knott's Berry Farm. Specifically, today we are going to be talking about one of the lands or areas within Knott's Berry Farm. Uh, We're going to talk about Calico Ghost Town. Yeah, Calico Ghost Town is one of my favorite themed areas in the world. Uh, I honestly believe that it is world class. And as the kind of main themed area of a local park that often gets kind of lumped into like the thrill park category, right? Like less theming, more thrills. Uh Uh, Probably fairly so. Uh, Calico stands as a testament to what a a themed area can do to punch so far above its weight class when it comes to just immersion, uh, depth of storytelling, and also just like a variety of attractions. Uh, And I don't just mean rides. I mean, there are things that just draw you to the Calico ghost town. Yes, and you're right, not just rides. And in fact, yeah, it's got it's got good rides in it, but some of most of, I'd say the charm of Ghost Town and most of the appeal of Ghost Town comes from uh, everything except the rides. Um, the the ambiance and the authenticity and the food and the entertainment. It, it's all there. It really does have everything. I'm yeah. really excited to talk about it. Yeah, uh, and and I think one way to kind of approach the Calico Ghost Town and Knott's Berry Farm is to go back in time and talk about when Knott's Berry Farm was a berry farm. <laughs> Very briefly, because we have covered this a little bit before in our podcast, but it's t- it's interesting to think about Calico as kind of the heart and soul of what eventually became the theme park we now know as Knott's, uh, which... Again, for the record, is our favorite local park <laughs> in the world. Yes. Uh, so, so what happened? How how did we get here? Why are we talking about an old west themed area uh, at this local park? Well, the best way to to figure out where it came from is to go all the way back to, well, the very beginning of Knott's Berry Farm. So to to talk about the history of Ghost Town, we're going to have to talk uh, a little bit, a brief refresher course on the history of Knott's Berry Farm. Beginning in the mid-1920s, the Knott family sold berries and berry preserves and pies from a roadside stand along what was State Route 39, 
which is now Beach Boulevard. Yeah, and uh, as you all know, the Berry Farm was uh, not an outright failure. No, uh, it, it wasn't an outright failure. In fact, they were they were instrumental in developing a new kind of berry, um, the boysenberry. Yeah, and... the accidental crossbreed berry that they managed to salvage after a neighboring farmer bred it and thought that nobody would want it. Of course, now we all know that boysenberries are the best berry. <laughs> yes, and yes, they're amazing. So the berry farm is 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 doing you know fairly well, um, but when the Great Depression hit, uh, the Knott family began selling. Uh, instead of just berries and berry preserves, they started selling fried chicken dinners. There was a demand for uh, cheap hot meals. Uh, so they started selling chicken dinners out of a tea room in 1934, which later became Mrs. Knott's Chicken Dinner Restaurant. Right. And now from here, the story becomes what we all know and remember about Knott's Berry Farm, right? The chicken dinner restaurant becomes so popular that people are lining up for hours. Walter Knott sees this problem and thinks of a solution. What if there was something to entertain folks while they were waiting in line? Yeah. And so he starts building a, uh, not a model ghost town, but I guess kind of a, a replica ghost town out back of the chicken restaurant. Yeah, there was a, a little ghost town and there was a little stagecoach. And at one point he had like a, like a mini volcano that would do, that would erupt periodically. I don't know how he did it. I don't know what it was made out of. But I think it was it just was, a fountain. It was like a, like a cool <laughs> volcano that would occasionally go off um, just to keep people entertained while they were in line for the restaurant. And that's when he realized that it could be its own thing. Yeah, that the ghost town and the attached entertainment and attractions could be an attraction. And that the chicken dinner restaurant would actually kind of eventually be subsumed by that. So Walter Knott started calling his little replica ghost town, he started calling it Calico, named after the real town of Calico, California, which is a silver mining town. Alice, I know you know this because you you did this uh, this research, but Calico is an interesting name for a town. Uh, it's actually named after the color of the mountains that are visible from the town itself. Uh, townsfolk back then thought that the mountains resembled a Calico cast in color. So... Walter Knott inherited his uncle's silver mill and land in Calico, California. And in 1951, he bought the entire town and started developing it. He moved several of the larger pieces of buildings to his new, you know, his model ghost town in Buena Park. Uh, but he started developing Calico itself as well and you can actually still go visit uh they've got you know tours and stunt shows and restaurants and and things like that uh so calico the city is kind of like a big version of the ghost town that's in knott's berry farm they do a lot of the same things yeah i, I it's interesting that calico became its own attraction uh it's it's not it's not entirely uncommon in California, Nevada, Arizona, um, any any of your kind of deserty western states to have ghost towns, right? Like, ghost towns are a thing, you know, mines will be opened when veins are discovered, and then the vein 
dries up and people move on to either the next mine or, you know, into bigger cities and stuff like that. And so these isolated towns just it kind of evaporate when it comes to the people that live there. Yeah. And we'll leaving not... leaving buildings and things behind, artifacts literally of their time there. Right. And Walter Knott was so charmed by this idea and uh, he had a, a family connection to it um, that he wanted to make sure that he could share it with people, which is why he brought so much of the town to his property in Buena Park so that he could uh, build it up and share it uh, and the historical significance of it uh, a little closer to to the cities and um and he even went so far as to move the entire schoolhouse and educated his children in it the one room schoolhouse an actual one room schoolhouse um from a ghost town and and taught his children in in it on his property yeah that that's the part that's one of the parts of the calico ghost town that always impresses me is that the amount of buildings there that you can just walk up to and into that were buildings in Calico that Walter Knott had disassembled and reassembled in Buena Park and that are still open running attractions, you know, maintained and, and restored once in a while. Sure, but this is the building. This is where stuff happened in Calico. It just, you know, moved a couple hundred miles west. Uh, <laughs> and I think that's part of like that immediate appeal that you feel when you're in today's Calico Ghost Town at Knott's Berry Farm is you can almost subconsciously feel that that influence. It's not even it's beyond inspiration, right? Where the stuff at say Frontierland and Disneyland is kind of a facsimile, uh, kind of a an amalg- amalgamation of all sorts of things you might expect to see in the Old West. Uh, Knott's ghost town is that stuff. It's not a representation. It's just rearranged um, and put somewhere that it doesn't quite belong. Sure, I mean, Buena Park ghost town doesn't doesn't really roll off the tongue. Um, (laughs) And yet, there it is. And it's it's beautiful and brilliant in its own way. Um, And so, we have this history that eventually just builds and builds upon itself until eventually the theme park is there and it has rides and attractions and it you know eventually gets bought out by cedar fair and becomes what it is today which is you know mostly a thrill park but this this vestige of the knots walter and cordelia and their family is still very much there and very much and i hate i hate to do this Alive uh, <laughs> in in Knott's Berry Farm. Uh, Ghost Town Alive is, a, is an attraction at Ghost Town. That's why it's funny. Um, we'll get there. <laughs> we'll get there. So, uh, Alice, uh, to take it back to Frontierland at Disneyland, for as an example, a counter example, right? Right. Uh, Frontierland at Disneyland has a few uh, dining options and attractions and shops, right? There's kind of the shop near the front, right past the fort-style entrance, There's the uh, kind of Mexican-style restaurant there. There is, of course, Big Thunder Mountain. uh, And there is the Golden Horseshoe and an attached quick-serve restaurant. I believe 
I've accessed every attraction in Frontierland. Have I missed anything major? Um, I, I don't think so. The entrance, yeah. the entrance to the um to the Mark Twain riverboat. Oh, I, I, I suppose the entrance to the Mark Twain riverboat does count as part of Frontierland, and I guess, I guess that you could say Tom Sawyer Island is either New Orleans Square or Mark Twain River. But I would say that it's probably Rivers of America more than anything else. It's its own but thing. we don't count the Rivers of America as, as its own land. And it's not even called Tom Sawyer's Island anymore. Right. It, uh, it's But it's not even the Pirate's Island anymore, is it? Is it still Pirate's Lair? I don't it's know. been a while. I don't know. You know Disneyland, Disneyland has been closed, closed for a year. year. <laughs> so, <laughs> anyways... Uh, what I'm, what I'm getting at is there are a few things to do in Frontierland, and Frontierland is great. It's got its own charm and appeal. But, Alice, if you will indulge me for a moment. As I he, often do. <laughs> here is a list of the attractions available to you as a patron and visitor to uh, the Calico Ghost Town at Knott's Berry Farm. There is the Butterfield Stagecoach, a authentic replica of a stagecoach from the 1880s. There is the Calico Mine Ride, which is uh, one of the coolest dark rides of its era. There is the Calico, Calico River Rapids, formerly Bigfoot Rapids, but, you know, today rethemed to fit the town of Calico. Uh, there is the Ghost Town itself as an attraction to walk through and enjoy. And the Calico Railroad, again, an authentic, uh, maintained steam engine of the time with attached cars that is very cool to ride around Knott's Berry Farm in. It does get robbed every hour on the hour, which is pretty cool. <laughs> uh, there is also Ghost Rider, the uh, tallest, fastest wooden roller coaster in California. There is the Pony Express, which is a... Uh, uh, how do you explain this? It's a it's, it's like a, a minor roller coaster, but it's like you're sitting on a horse while you ride it. Right, you you ride it as if the car were a horse. It's shaped like a horse. It's pretty cool. It's um, slightly uncomfortable, but it's pretty, slightly uncomfortable for fun. sure. <laughs> uh, and also, kind of a uh, yeah, you're right with like a minor roller coaster. It's not like a family coaster. It's like one step above that. Uh, yeah. But it's it definitely not like a big roller coaster. It doesn't necessarily loop, but it does go pretty fast. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, so there's that, uh, the Pony Express. There's also Silver Bullet, a fantastic hanging coaster with many negative G turns and cool loops and stuff like that. It's the probably the best coaster in the park. Yeah, uh, almost certainly the, the best... I, I would say the best experience in the park. I, I feel like Ghost Rider might have claimed to, like, best coaster in the park but it's definitely in different classes right like ghost rider is this rough ramshackle uh like intense ride where silver bullet is this joyous experience we've talked about it before yeah uh the timber mountain log ride a log flume style ride which is both faster uh more fun and uh less Less just a horribly outdated and racist than Splash Mountain. Um, <laughs> it was close there for a minute, though. They had some <laughs> dicey animatronics. <laughs> they have updated them and removed them. It's much better now. There is the Mystery Lodge, a show that was created in collaboration with local Native Americans and also Native American tribes of the Pacific Northwest that represents their culture in a very cool way with lots of cool special effects. Uh 
the food available to you at Ghost Town is not one establishment, not two establishments, not three establishments, but a veritable cornucopia, uh, <laughs> including uh, the Ghost Town Grill, a funnel cake stand, an open air barbecue, a saloon at which you can order and consume boysenberry beer. Boysenberry beer. And of course, the two other shows available to you at the Calico Ghost Town, the Wild West Stunt Show and the Birdcage Theater, uh, which does a, a rendition of a Christmas Carol every year that I really like. Yeah, and they've got like one other Christmas themed show and they do vi- very, very little else in that theater. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll talk about that later. <laughs> right. Uh, but that took me almost five minutes to say... Or even if you don't count uh, all of our asides, <laughs> that is so much stuff to do at Calico Ghost Town, and it's all connected. It's all Old West themed. It all feels like it can exist together. Yes, Ghost Rider and Silver Bullet kind of stick out as these like monuments that couldn't possibly exist in a ghost town, and yet there are narrative connections there. Uh, that that the park does endeavor to create and maintain while you're in the queue and while you're writing. Uh, in my opinion, this is one of the most comprehensive, complete themed areas in theme parks. And it could almost stand alone as its own theme park without anything else at Knott's. Uh, it is that complete in my in my personal opinion. I am inclined to agree. I think of all of the different areas, um, I want to call them lands, but I think that's a Disneyland uh, thing. I think we gravitate towards the word land when we're talking about themed areas. Uh, <laughs> um, and, uh, and that's fine. Yeah. But it's definitely Disneyland's kind of like proprietary yeah. way to talk about things, right? So of all the different areas in Knott's Berry <laughs> Farm, I think this one is not only the most comprehensive and the the most like linked as far as the theme goes um but it's definitely the the maybe the highest concentration of stuff to do and land area like in the in the whole park it's 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 absolutely incredible every inch every inch of the space is used to showcase something something unique to that area yeah, I, and and it's not just it's not just the stuff that you'd expect. Like the entrance to Knott's Berry Farm has this big water tower with a dancing couple of cowboy people, cowboy times people maybe cow people. <laughs> They're not cows that are people, but they look they they are folks what wrangle cows. Yeah, uh, and like just from that very moment when you see that, and you can kind of swing left into Calico or swing right into Camp Snoopy, you feel as if that's what that's the foot that the park wants to put forward. Right. Is this this extremely just dense, well-themed, rich Calico ghost town. Exactly. So and- so why does it work as well as it does? Like we know what what's in it that makes it that that works for us, but like why does it work? Well, that's a that's a good question because like the stuff that I said, if you just take it as a list, it is kind of disparate. Like 
You got a couple of coasters. You got a, a kind of a weird coaster. <laughs> um, you got, uh, you got, I you don't know, know, food shows. Food shows, log shows. ride, whatever. Just throw it all in there. There's a dark ride. There's a sit down couple of shows. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. It makes a, it makes a theme park altogether. Kinda. Um, but I think I think there's more than that. It's not just like that. You're hitting all of the like beats of a theme park or all of the kind of expectations of an audience going into a theme park. It, it's definitely artfully like balanced and designed around a couple of like key traits. And I think one of the most important ones is the authenticity of the whole place, right? Like Absolutely. we've already talked about this, but uh, it, it's more than just like the buildings that Walter not brought in. It's, how, how do you say it, Alice? It's like the... I would say, I would say, like, the vibe. The vibe? <laughs> I would say the vibe of the place. Um, right, it's not, it's not just actually the actual authenticity of the buildings that you are physically in when you're shopping uh, or eating. But the, but the authenticity of the feeling you get while you're there, uh, half the time it doesn't feel like, oh, I'm in Buena Park, California at a theme park, Disneyland's down the street. It it feels like, oh, I drove out to an actual western town. I drove all the way to real Calico and I'm hanging out and, oh, there's a cowboy show over there. Oh, there's a blacksmith over there. I'm not saying that you actually feel like you're in 1849, like Old West times. I'm saying that it feels like an a like a like a local fun western town that that sprung up organically alice we are smart intelligent people we know when we're not in a real place it's not that calico feels real it feels like the idea of the old west yeah and and it and it feels like a not even like a simulation of the old west it feels like like you said like a vibe that is so distinct uh, uh an oeuvre of the old west uh and it it's i i can't really describe it beyond what the words i've already used it's deep it's rich it's totally detailed and alive and and that's another one of the parts of it that really makes it work ghost town is alive there's of course, the attraction known as Ghost Town Alive, which was kind of a immersive theater thing that was happening over the course of a couple of summers. Um, you know, obviously it didn't happen in 2020, but we're, we're expecting it whenever things reopen to return. That included characters that would walk around and talk to you as if they were Ghost Town characters. Um, you know, you can talk to the sheriff or the newspaper guy or uh, the the criminals that the sheriff is looking for. Like, <laughs> they're all there and living their own complex internal lives. You know, when you go to the saloon, it's not like, oh, the three o'clock show is about to start up. It's like, all right, folks, here comes Dolly. And then, like, out comes Dolly to sing a song. It's It feels so much more organic. Um, and, yeah, exaggerated and fake and not actually what an old West town would look like. It, it's just, it's right. It, it, it is a well-constructed caricature that feels so fun to live in. Yeah. Yeah. 
that, and I'm going to use the word authenticity again, um, because it it is that kind of real authentic feel that you get from a from like a local theme park we've talked about this before how Knott's Berry Farm is so local and it feels like like when you're there and you're experiencing it that it that it it just feels it feels lived in and and it it also kind of feels like it's for you for you yes in in a way in a way that uh national or international attractions don't yeah and that 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 authenticity and the and the vibe and everything that we've talked about is is so important to making it work um but also actually the authenticity i know we just said oh it's you know it's not like a real old westy town um but actually the authenticity like we said (laughs) you know walter not brought in actual buildings and they have real craftsmen there they've got an actual blacksmith they're making the horseshoes that get used on the horses that pull the stagecoach around the park and like the layout of the place and the and the open air um the open air barbecue is something that i love about about that where you've got this you know this is a, a a full service like food place but you're not <laughs> restaurant it, no it's, Are you not a, restaurant? it's not a restaurant it's, <laughs> it's not a restaurant because you're not going to sit down and and eat but you are watching this big barbecue in the middle of like a town square and that feels authentic and it feels like like something that you're experiencing like as a community yeah it's and, it's surrounded by picnic tables that you know people will share but like you don't just have one party at one table like right. everybody's just kind of around and often there's a musical act and often within ghost town itself there's more than one musical act performing at once like ghost town can be loud and conflicting itself with with the way that things are going on like it's not it's never like constructed to a t in the way that a lot of other theme parks might be It, it it feels messy um in a good way definitely and and there's also the question of like how do we make it feel even more local because it's not just like, oh, you can walk into this shop and buy a, a t-shirt that says Knott's Berry Farm on it. It's also that you can walk into a shop and just like buy knives. Like there's a knife guy. <laughs> um, you can you can buy handcrafted Native American arts, crafts. Uh, you know, there are old photographs and posters that just kind of continue to build this yeah, kind of almost roadside attraction thing going on. But then also there's like the local artists and artisans that temporarily make their home at Knott's Berry Farm. Yeah. To sell Berry- their wares as well. Yeah, Knott's Berry Farm um, has taken on the tradition of multiple like seasonal festivals over the course of the year. Um, my favorite and probably the, the biggest, most iconic one is the Christmas market. Yeah. Um, the Christmas market takes over all of Ghost Town uh, every December, and it's local craftsmen with card tables outside of your favorite attractions selling their handmade goods. There's jewelry, and there's uh, home decor, and there's woodworking, and there's 
just uh, toys, just about everything that you can possibly imagine. My um, my favorite is the woodworking because the woodworking is literally amazing. you have people who are who are working with actual stumps of wood to carve them live right there with hand tools and power tools. It's amazing. It's so cool. I love it. I, every I always find something every year. Not this year. Ugh. Um, but every year I, I make it a point to go because I've got to find something handmade for my mom. That's like the, the best the best place to find presents. And uh, my favorite was always the jewelry place. Um, the, or the guy that has the silver jewelry on the corner. Oh, yeah. So he always sells the replica of the that even stars from the Lord of the Rings, the necklace that yes. Arwen wears. And you know, I've almost bought that I at have least one. five times. I have one. I bought one from him. Yeah. <laughs> And it's the best. I never wear it because it's so precious to me. Right. Um, <laughs> but like that, that kind of community feel is so important to um, to the entire area. Yeah, it's it's not. I feel like we're straying towards calling Knott's Berry Farm like a like a an accessible community center for anybody to just come and sell whatever. It's not that. It's like not obviously <laughs> Knott's is owned by Cedar Fair. It's a business. They are trying to draw people in with their unique wares and things like that. It is at every turn a money-making venture. Everything that we have talked about and all of these kind of little appeals are designed to draw people in. They are attractions, right? Yes, we are but aware of capitalism. <laughs> we are aware of capitalism. But there's something about the way that it's approached at Knott's that just feels good it feels like home um and even i feel like even if i were just visiting and uh it wasn't home i would feel like it kind of was uh and that's just my guess how, how can i ever know an experience beyond my own um but i feel like there's just kind of that that comfort and that genuineness and that idea that it's not just someone in a factory somewhere making a, another hat that says silver bullet. Like, <laughs> it's so much more than that. Of course that hat exists. It's there. But also, there's all this other stuff. And you can purchase something that is actually, like, emblematic of the time you spent there. That actually means something to you personally. Um... And that, you know, part of that money goes straight into the pocket of somebody who, who lives around Buena Park. Um, and I think that's great. Like, I, I really do think that's amazing. Uh, and so, I feel like we've talked about the intangibles, but I would like to talk about, like, the tangibles for a moment. Okay. Uh, Let's talk I'd, about I'd like tangibles. to, if, if you will, I'd like to talk about what for me are the two standout roller coasters at calico ghost town uh yes we're gonna we're gonna leave off of the pony express because i feel like we already talked about it a bit and it's, it's hard to describe it's and fun. it does it does feel a bit like a footnote when it's, when you look at these two amazing coasters it's fine it always has a shorter line than the others um for good reason <laughs> It's, it's a, it's slightly uncomfortable, but it's, it, I like, I've said this before. I like coasters that have like standing coasters or, or the laying down coasters, ones where you're like in a different position than normal. Like yeah. that's really fun. And that's what Pony Express is. And that's pretty much all it is though. So let's. <laughs> yeah. And it's, 
It's about two loops around, too. It's very short. Yes. Um, so let's so, talk about the actually great coasters there. Yeah, let's talk about the two really great coasters. Uh, I would like to start with Silver Bullet. Oh, I love Silver Bullet. So uh, I'm, I'm going to be quoting from memory here a, uh, a sign out front of Silver Bullet. Ooh. Because there is a story surrounding Silver Bullet. Uh, it's not just a big red and orange track above some water. Uh, there was a legend of the Silver Bullet uh, because at one point Calico was beset by demons. This is true. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, they were attacking uh, people in the town. And so the people used the silver out of the mine in the town uh, to craft silver bullets that could fight the demons. Uh, very, very clever of them. Then the demons began attacking the shipments of silver out of the mine. So... Uh, the roller coaster that we see today is a way to outrun the demons while delivering silver to the people of Calico. I love that. <laughs> there was also characters mentioned. It's it's a little fuzzy uh, because one thing, and, and this is going to be a kind of a consistent gripe as we move into the kind of minutia of Calico. But one thing Calico does is it tells a lot of stories and has a lot of legends, but it doesn't really lean into them. Uh, and so Silver Bullet doesn't really lean into in, into this. There's no uh, there's no video in the queue. There's no actors walking around being like, "I'm John Silver Bullet, and I <laughs> invented the Silver Bullet." Like none of that is happening. It's just a really good roller coaster. Um, but that that story exists, is posted, is available for you to read and experience, is a cool connection. Uh, and we've already gushed a little bit about Silver Bullet, but it's so much fun to ride. It's so much fun to ride. It's so fast and so smooth. It's got great loops. It's got great corkscrews. That really intense turn at the end. Yeah. Um, which always makes my feet fall asleep. <laughs> <laughs> it's a suspended coaster. So you're suspended yeah. below the track. Your feet get to dangle free. And on the big ramp up, you get to see the whole park from above. It's, it's, a, it's beautifully constructed and it's... Uh, smooth as butter. I will always remember riding Silver Bullet at sunset as oh. just peak Buena Park at its most beautiful. It's funny, when when I say that, I almost laugh. Like, Buena Park being beautiful. Buena Park's <laughs> beautiful. Buena Park I, is I, beautiful. I love it as a city. And uh, a good lift hill is sometimes hard to find these days. Everything's launched. Uh, <laughs> but but Silver Bullet is is... It's home to a great lift hill. It honestly is. Um, and I just have so many good memories of, of Silver Bullet. And, and I will never not sing its praises. Of Definitely. course, the other major attraction, the other big uh, impossible to miss roller coaster is Ghost Rider. I love Ghost Rider, personally. Um, I know it's not everybody's cup of tea, <laughs> but I'm super into Ghost Rider. Yeah, no, I am too. After after the refresh that uh, smoothed the tracks and made new cars that could actually run smoothly on the smooth tracks, <laughs> it used uh, to be an instant migraine, like right away. Wait. We remember, we remember an era where you got into literally a minecart <laughs> <laughs> uh, with metal rickety wheels, and and it was totally rusted out. It was awful. Uh, nowadays kids kids these days don't know but nowadays you got like a lap bar and everything yeah um but honestly it's a great roller coaster 
it, it's intense and uh you know undeniable in its size there's two major lift hills on it yeah it's so uh, long I feel it's like a you're very on that long ride coaster. For so long. Yeah. I should look it up, actually. <laughs> it is. It is definitely one of the longest. That's part of how it advertises itself: fastest, longest, tallest in the West. Um, and it is. It, it, it truly is. And it, uh, wooden coasters have their own appeal too. There's just something about them that steel coasters don't have. I. I, I think it would be the wood. Um, <laughs> I think it's the wood. But uh, but honestly, it's kind of that instability. Yeah. It's it's the feeling of it being made of this organic material that I don't know. Like I know it's safe, but it feels less safe, <laughs> and that adds its own thrill. It is a a four thousand five hundred and thirty three foot long track. It hits a max speed of fifty six miles per hour, and it's fully three minutes long. Three minutes on a roller coaster? Three whole minutes on a roller coaster. You gotta be kidding me. It feels way longer, though. I mean, it feels longer. Oh, it feels like an three, eternity. Three minutes is a long time to spend you, on a coaster. When you're on it, it feels like the only thing that will ever happen to you again is that you'll be riding this roller coaster. It feels like your entire life. <laughs> it, like, every time you, you finish another drop, you're like, all right, that's gotta be the end. No. <laughs> <laughs> So there's there's those two attractions, but I actually want to talk about kind of a, another like duology of attractions. Uh, those being the Calico Mine Train and the Timber Mountain Log Ride, because I see them as parallel, complementary attractions. Um, they're right next to each other for one thing. Uh, they kind of represent the industry of Calico as a town, which I think is cool. That like the town has, you know, all of the all of the production stuff, you know, the blacksmiths and the, the uh, you know, the stagecoach and, and all of that. That's all, like, happening, but, like, where's the silver coming from? Where's the timber coming from? These places, actually. Um, which which is so cool, right? Uh, so the, the mine train is a narrated trip through the mine of Calico. Yeah, through the silver uh, mine. Yeah, the silver mine. Uh, it's got several animatronic miners... It's also got uh, kind of really classic dark ride moments of like going through the rainbow caverns uh, and seeing all the stalactites and stalagmites and, you know, all of the dripping pools and, and steam and stuff coming out of them. And there's also one of the most impressive moments in any dark ride that I've ever seen. And it's when you're in the main chamber of the mine. A place that you visit multiple times over the course of the ride. Uh, you start near the bottom and work your way up to the top. It's immense. It's huge. It's, it's so big. It's living and breathing and there's miners everywhere and you can see that the chamber goes even farther down and you can see how it branches out into various caverns and tunnels and I... When I imagine it, it's, of course, bigger than it is. Because my brain is working to make it even cooler. <laughs> but it, it really is impressive. Yeah, it's impressive. I'm always impressed by how you can enter the cavern at different levels on that on the train. Where, you're, where 
there are very few dark rides that I can think of that go for a second story. <laughs> Alice in Wonderland. Alice and in Wonderland. Maybe that's it. Yeah, that's it. That's exactly the only other one I was thinking of, <laughs> where you have a second floor to your to your dark ride. That's really that's really impressive. A second floor where you ex- where you like I, other other dark rides, like the Haunted Mansion goes up and down slopes and stuff. But sure. Like, the, this is this is about this is about using that second floor to like increase the scale. Yeah. To like really let it let it live, and to give that spectacle space to breathe. Like Alice in Wonderland uses its second floor to extend the length of the ride in a compact space. It's never about being aware that you're up until the part where you're outside, and is that a spectacle? It's um, it's nice. It's cool. Uh, and then there's the part where you're directly kind of you know sloping down into the Mad Tea Party, which explodes um, <laughs> and ends the ride. Right? Like there are there are little things that are done with the levels here. This is, I mean, this is it. This is the mine. You're in it, and it's huge, and it's not all there is to see. Uh, and the fact that you come back and see it from another angle, another perspective. And then, of course, the climax of the ride arrives, and some TNT goes off, and you have to hightail it out of there. <laughs> uh, which is so good. It is. Uh, good. It just it speaks to me on this level that a lot of other dark rides just don't get that it can be slow and narrated, and you can be in awe of both nature and of the scale of the industry happening here. And then also there can be a high octane escape, uh, and all of that can happen at once. Yeah, uh, and I just—it's brilliant. Yeah, it really is like a model for for dark rides. Yeah, uh, I I would sincerely hope that more people are looking at this as a textbook example. You know, uh, infamously, a lot of Imagineers kind of got siphoned off of Disneyland to work on that ride, um, and it shows. There's there's just such a level of detail and quality. Definitely. Now, the other one that just had its 60th birthday is the uh, Timber Mountain Log Ride, which for me is exactly the same, actually, in terms of, like, what's cool about it. Uh, This ride, though, there's something about it that feels quaint in a really positive way. Definitely does. It's, It's, I think it's the animatronics. They don't move like a ton. <laughs> no, they they do looping looping motions, uh, such as uh, having both ha- both ends of a bandsaw, and yeah. they like move the saw back and forth. Yeah, and they're not yeah they're not super highly articulated, and they don't talk a lot. It's it's not like it, it's not like a very um, like high tech ride. It's a log flume where you it's a drive log through and you watch a couple of loggers chop some wood and. There's a wolf at one point, you know. There is a hoot nanny. There's there is a story, you know. Like you're on your way to a hoot nanny. You're on your way to a hoot nanny, and uh, and boy, do they hoot. And they, um, they do nanny. Um, <laughs> but like, if I remember the sequence right, you know, you you go up, you see kind of the logging process. You end up kind of in the wilderness. There's a, a wolf, like you said, a cougar, a bear. I believe. Maybe. Like, you, you see a yeah. couple of animal animatronics, and then you kind of end up in the Hootenanny, where people are dancing and singing, and uh, doing that thing where you walk backwards on a log to stay on it while yeah, it rotates. Yeah, like a log roll, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then the drop. Uh, 
it's fast. It's fast. Is what I remember about it. Yeah. Uh, it, it's just, you know, where where your splash mountain log flume feels leisurely unless you're dropping. This feels like the log has been set down the fastest river in the universe. <laughs> uh, and you are just bumping up against the wall and banging around. And the other thing is the log's a lot smaller than at a Disney park. Yeah, it only fits like four people. Yeah, and it, when you get in it, you feel it wobble and move around. Like, it doesn't feel quite as, I don't know, constructed yet again, right? Like, it just kind of feels like this natural thing. Like, you're going to ride this log down this river. Good luck. Um, <laughs> and of course it's safe, and of course it's tested. But that whole deal it just makes it feel alive to me. Um, and has always been a highlight. The one thing I'll say about it is that is that it's always got the longest line out of out of everything because it's yeah. a really good water ride. It's a really good water ride, and it's it, but it's super low capacity. Yeah, with where you only fit four people on that on that log, and there's only so many can go at a time because it's a it's a log flume. <laughs> yeah, um, but otherwise, it's weaving in and out of this mountain, and it's so cool. Yeah, it's a really nice it's a really nice ride. Um, and that's what I, all of the the little the smaller rides at Ghost Town, um, including the the rapids and and it, they're not just good ride like good examples of the kind of ride that they are, but they're just nice to be on. They feel good. They look good. Um, not great. They don't look great, but they look good. <laughs> they don't have to look great is I'm the kidding. other thing. I, I go I go on these rides for some spectacle and, and to be a little bit wowed, sure, because some of these scenes are, are really like really fun. Um, but I'm not here to watch the cutting edge animatronics uh sing me a song about how beautiful the river is. Like that's not what this is. This is a hoot nanny. We've got places to be. <laughs> so if you've got just a simple repetitive motion that your characters are doing, like, I, I get the impression. And and we move on. Yep. Uh, and it's a party. It's a good time. Absolutely. You know, speaking of parties and good times. Yes. I'd like to take a moment to honor the uh, show-type attractions in Ghost Town. Uh, just, just for a moment, because I don't have a ton to say about them. Uh, but the Wild, Wild West Stunt Show is a staple. It's everything you expect of a Wild West Stunt Show. You know, trick shooting, whips, that sort of thing. Right. Very cool. Um, and of course, you know, a, a, a narrative of some kind. It changes regularly. Uh, the Birdcage Theater is very small. And I love it for that. Um, I love it for, for how limited it is. Uh, there's something about a small venue in this major theme park that just, to me, says, wow, this is still here. That's amazing. Um, yeah. Somehow. Uh, and like you said, it's got really limited engagements and, and seems to really only be truly active around Christmas time. Right. And that's, that, that, I, I want to bridge this to, um, to the next part of this conversation. Um, I want to talk about that because this is is something that the the fact that the birdcage doesn't have enough uh, performances is something that I have under a list that here uh, called uh, what doesn't work about Ghost Town. 
We have to That's be true. We have to be fair. Um, we love to gush. We'd love to gush about the things that we love. Um, and we're going to sit here and sing the praises of Ghost Town all day long. Uh, but there are some things about Ghost Town that just don't work. That's true. Um, and, and, and one of the notes on here, just a quick one, doesn't have enough shows the birdcage. More yeah, I feel, theater. <laughs> I feel like the birdcage could have something playing almost constantly, and it could just be melodrama. And melodrama with a live piano player and, you know, a mustache twirling villain, and we cheer for the hero, and we boo for the villain, and we fawn over the damsel in distress. Just do that constantly. Yes. Like, never stop doing that. We love melodrama. So that's that's just one that's just one quick little note about what doesn't work. What else doesn't work about uh, about Ghost Town? Um, uh, something hmm. something something else. Something we we kind of touched on a little bit um, is that as much as we love the like really quaint, basic old animatronics, um, like the like the guys working either end of a saw, um, uh, the animatronics the special effects uh for some of these rides are are falling apart these are not they don't need to go super high tech but there are a lot of pieces of the of the mine train and of the log ride and really kind of like the even parts of the older buildings that do appear to be actively falling apart or broken that's true it could use a paint job (laughs) there are also some vestiges of old priorities that need to be reworked and reimagined. Yes. Like, they have an entire building, one of the authentic, real Ghost Town Calico buildings, that's entirely dedicated to one of those um, Old West picture joints. You know, like, like oh, let's yeah, dress up a, the family. you put on a cowboy hat, and you, you hold a fake gun, and you pretend to be old west people and then it comes out and it's all sepia toned yeah i I know it well exactly they've got a whole building dedicated to that um it's and it's kind of gross it's kind of old and gross the costumes haven't been updated in a minute the building itself is gorgeous of course immaculate um but it like no nobody's ever in there (laughs) of course not who who wants an expensive photo Nobody wants the, like, very, very few people. I mean, it must be making some kind of money, but very few people, I imagine, especially, um, I, I say, like, going forward, um, after this whole COVID thing, um, it's, I can't imagine that people want to, like, continue sharing outfits with everybody no. and taking pictures and all wearing the same hat and everything. That just that sounds really bad. It doesn't seem sustainable anymore. I think yeah. it's outdated and um, and and needs to something else needs to go in that building. All I would put there is either like another dining option of some kind or I would use it as another space to tell a story about Calico uh, because that's what a lot of the buildings in Calico become. Right. Yep. It's just another space where you can say, here's where so-and-so lives. It's the judge. It's the sheriff. It's the blacksmith. Whatever. Just yeah. use it as a space to tell a story. I think they could maybe... Um, I feel like what the uh, what the town doesn't have a lot of is women. <laughs> That's they've true. Got the one, they've got one woman who sits on a porch and, and does like uh, like um, demonstrations on um, like thread making. She's got like a yeah. spinning wheel. Um I feel like maybe move her inside and make like a whole thing, maybe with homespun clothing or something that they can yeah, sell like a for a lot of money. Thing. Sure, <laughs> and and like do like do that, like feature feature that kind of thing inside. Yeah, could be nice. That's good. 
And so that brings us to kind of one more thing about the Calico Ghost Town is its representation of specifically Native Americans. Um, You know, yes, the Mystery Lodge was developed in collaboration with local tribes and the tribes of the Pacific Northwest. However, does this really work in a modern theme park in any kind of respectful way? I think the attraction itself is is pretty admirably respectful, actually. Um, However, I feel like there is the question of, well, wait a minute, wasn't this supposed to be developed in tandem with local tribes? And here are these tribes of the Pacific Northwest kind of dominating the iconography of the attraction, right? And and it kind of sells this idea of like Native American. You you've you've heard of that culture. It's the one with the totem poles. And yikes, a little bit, right? Like that's a little bit. Yeah. It's not quite what I'm looking for these days, especially since that corner of the park used to be Bigfoot Rapids as well, and Bigfoot is kind of also a Pacific Northwest thing. So there's kind of a Pacific Northwest vibe, but now there isn't. Yeah, now it's just the Mystery Lodge, and that, and and that doesn't really fit with the theme of the of the rest of the space. Uh, not not to mention that it seems like Knott's Berry Farm has kind of gone for like a California classic like vibe all around, like in all yeah. of the other lands. It seems a little strange that the one attraction that they do have that doesn't take place in California. Uh, doesn't celebrate another really important part of California history, which is our our the history of our Native American tribes from here, and it doesn't yeah. and it doesn't do that. Not to say it's... we couldn't or shouldn't celebrate other tribes. No, of course not. Uh, like we we definitely should and can and do in the form of the Mystery Lodge. I just wonder, like, is this the best we can do? Um, especially since what the Mystery Lodge says it's doing is working in conjunction with tribes to represent themselves in the form of this attraction Um, and to have this little educational moment. They also do have, as far as representation goes, like they also do have a regular dancer that comes and and does performances. Yeah. Um, uh, Intermittently, and I I don't know if if he's there every day, but uh, he's he's great. He's a wonderful performer, and should there should be more of more of that? Yeah, an elevation of local performers and voices. I think is yeah. like what part of what we love about Calico. Yeah. Um, and it it's just the non-localness of Mystery Lodge that makes me go, huh? It doesn't make me go, hmm. I'm not going like, whoa, wait a minute, this is offensive. Uh, and you know that's interesting. Um, and so maybe adjust. I, I feel like maybe the mystery lodge is ready for an update, anyways. Yeah, the there's kind of a an overt mysticism thing going on that is a little stereotypical. Yeah, it yeah, it's not. I think a, a an update would would be welcome. Um, it is still really cool, but even like the inside, like the the theater space that you sit in, feels really. It kind of feels like a high school auditorium. Yeah. You walk in, um, the the special effects, the like Pepper's Ghost effect they've got going on on stage is extremely great, and it looks yeah, unparalleled. Like uh, uh, the actor playing the storyteller, straight up disappears. 
And yes. I don't know how they did it. I don't know how they do it. I don't <laughs> know. And it blew me away in my 20s the first yeah. time I saw it. <laughs> um, and it's and it really is like a, an excellent experience and something that that is really important and should be highlighted and not kind of shoved into the back and kind of like a little too stereotypical, you know? Yeah. Like more local authentic voices and um yeah make it make it part of the make it part of the whole ghost town and here's the here's the the like last problem that i have with ghost town the last like thing that doesn't work for me is it connected to like why the mystery lodge is kind of shoved off into a corner um that so far back into a corner and in a spot that i genuinely didn't know it was there um, until I was fully like 26 years old, even though yeah. I've been going to Knott's Berry Farm since like the day I was born, <laughs> um, is that the ghost town has a layout problem. Um, and this is just basic theme park stuff. Now we're, yeah. we're, we're outside of the theoretical and into the like the physicalness of the theme park is yeah. that it bottlenecks super hard right at the entrance to ghost town. Um, right back, there's a set of bathrooms right next to the entrance and the exit to the park and the photo stand and the big ghost town like welcome to calico ghost town sign it's all right there next to each other and there's this big bottleneck problem where it gets really crowded right at the entrance to ghost town so the, the, there's this huge open space in the back corner where the mystery lodge is and by the schoolhouse and there's like tons of open walking space over there by the bird cages over there too and there's nothing at the bird cage so it's a <laughs> lot of these like these like smaller not as like high traffic attractions all right next to each other by the biggest walking space the most walking space is by the smallest attractions and that to me is a failure of planning and yeah something has something has to move you you, <laughs> you do have to hand it to them that this has been an ongoing I, I wouldn't say, like, organically growing, but yeah, it, it started off as something that wasn't planned to be as big as it is, right? That's true. And, and so there's there's a lot of wasted space in Calico. Um, there there are just a couple of... Uh, for example, like, there's the graveyard, right? Over by oh, yeah. Silver Bullet. Or not over by Silver Bullet. It's over by Pony Express. Right. Uh, and that's that's in, tucked back into a corner and lends a lot of life it's funny for a graveyard, but like lends a lot of life to <laughs> the town. Um, and you, you could miss it and you could, you could miss it for years of visiting knots and you would, you would just never even slow down or stop or look it's back there. Uh, you know, there's uh, a couple of areas. Um, Sad Eye Joe is back there. Like another <laughs> strange, Sad small attraction. Sad Eye Joe is by the blacksmith. He's like, That's true. he's like on off main street. And he's, and he's kind of tucked in the back. Tucked in the back behind the sheriff's office in the little jail area. Right. And he's excellent. If you ever go to Knott's Berry Farm and you haven't met Sad Eye Joe. Make um, an effort. Make an effort to go with somebody who has been to Knott's and have them introduce you to Sad Eye Joe. Yeah, it's important. That's the important part. Uh, and so, you know, there's, there's all of these little nooks, crannies, twists, turns. And there's these areas that feel like they could hold so much more uh you know for all of the richness and the depth of calico it, it does feel empty sometimes um depending on where you are 
Uh, and that's interesting. And I feel like maybe it's to its benefit in some cases to have those little small, quiet moments and areas. And in other cases, it does feel like a waste of space. So, Alice, it has brought us to our final segment, right? Right. Which is, how do we take this formula that we love, this set of attractions that we feel are some of the most comprehensive in any themed land, how do we take it just one notch further? How do we elevate it to greater heights? Um, so the first note that I have here on our planning sheet uh, in all caps is the words lean into it. <laughs> oh, yeah. If they would just lean into it, then this could be not just world class in our opinion, but truly world class. It's true. I it It really does feel like we've got something so unique and beautiful here in Knott's Berry Farm. And if they just leaned into it just a little bit more a little bit more they could have the greatest attraction in all of theme park history (laughs) well okay the greatest attraction in buena park is already there uh the greatest attraction in orange county they might have to work really hard because they they do have to fight disneyland and the disneyland resort i'm saying in theme park history buddy (laughs) i mean it okay i am do it I am 100% behind this plan. When I say lean into it, when you say lean into it, we mean things like uh, connect the attractions more thoroughly. Uh, uh, yes. Uh, and, and updating the ones that need updating. Yeah. With animatronics and, and things like that. It doesn't need to be the, the most high-tech or, or like, it, it. we don't need to be like... I don't need to be blown away by how articulated all of the little pieces of the animatronics are. I just need them to not look like uh, melting wax figures. <laughs> and they do sometimes which, look like melting they wax often figures. <laughs> um, yeah, it's updating that stuff. It's maintaining the shops and the storefronts and just making sure that they're always, you know, busy and interactive and really cool to visit. Uh, it's giving us those moments with the arts and the crafts and the artisans and emphasizing them instead of minimizing them. Right. Um, a really, really, really good start to this is when they, when the first time they introduced Ghost Town Alive, the first time I heard about Ghost Town Alive, I was like, they are so close. (laughs) This is it. Ghost Town Alive is, it's, it's revolutionary. It's interactive. It's. A, a, a full-on story. It's good for kids. It's good for adults. It's fun. It uses every inch of the land. They use... They hide bandits around every single corner. You... To find clues to solve the mystery, you have to enter in buildings that you might not have ever entered before. And there's so many good buildings within Ghost Town. Do you remember that time that we just found a museum? In the how, middle of Ghost Town? How, we made a I whole still, episode about it. Right. We talked to Iron Horse Steve, a man I will never forget, whose first name is Iron Horse. <laughs> um, and like you said, we we were born at Knott's Berry Farm. Both of us. At, at the Knott's, Knott's General. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, it it blew me away that this town 
still had secrets to reveal. Yes. After all that time. And that that you could add secrets to it. Yes. Do you remember that time that we found the like post office slash general store and learned that they sell marriage licenses? And do you like, can get married at Knott's get, Berry Farm for twenty dollars. <laughs> you can get married at Knott's Berry Farm in a cute, authentic, like real <laughs> old west post office for like twenty dollars. <laughs> I don't know if you end up actually legally I married you when do. you purchase one of those, but I do believe that you do. <laughs> I think you might. I think you must. <laughs> and and. And the fact that that is not something that they advertise is criminal. How is there not a sign outside of Knott's Berry Farm that just says marriage license is $20? Get married it should here. Be, it should be like on the freeway sign for the exit to get to Knott's. Like marriage is this way. <laughs> it should be, they should ham it up, like really lean into it. Get the Knott's Berry Farm ghost town equivalent of an Elvis impersonator to make these marriages, like marry people on the spot, like put them up on a stage, make a meal of it. Yeah. Get the can can dancers involved from the <laughs> saloon. Get everybody involved. Make it oh, a thing. boy howdy. Can you imagine? I'd do it. I'd get married there in a heartbeat. I'd do it twice. I don't. I don't care if it's not. <laughs> it's not necessary. <laughs> But, like, how fun does that sound? It does. Like, make a meal of it. Like, really lean into the camp and the and the joy and the, you know, the the, the stereotypes of old of old cowboy western heroism. Like, I don't know. It's it's obviously not real history, but it's fun. (laughs) It is. It it is. It is the myth, and and it. It's so far removed from all of the problematic parts of the the myth that you know in a way that's very similar to like your Frontierland, right? But yeah. but the difference is that Frontierland feels sterile. Yes. Uh and Ghost Town Calico does not. Uh again, I hate to keep using the word. It feels alive and it it feels like its own place. Uh, and it could be even more. So, how else, so that's, how else that are we going to elevate it? That is the other thing. When you say even more, um, I would like more, if possible. I, I feel like, okay, so so there's a lot of parking lot at Knott's Berry Farm. Yes. And uh, there was a rather infamous parking lot uh, that became an entire second theme park. Maybe you've heard of it. It's called Disney's California Adventure. <laughs> uh, I think that there's a way in B Park where they could buy another parking lot and take the existing parking lot, which is connected to the existing theme park by a tunnel, uh, and they could make the Calico outskirts, which to me would be the ultimate Knott's Berry Farm expansion. I wasn't. I wasn't thinking about that. About the <laughs> outskirts. I yeah. Was, I was thinking about getting rid of what, like, whatever, um, like administrative buildings they have to, directly to the south of Ghost Town. Oh. And just knocking them all down and just making Ghost Town bigger. Make it bigger. I don't. <laughs> I want. You don't need a whole nother other land. You want more Ghost Town. I want more Ghost Town. <laughs> <laughs> I want to make it bigger. I want Ghost Town to be so big it might as well be its own theme park. Um, I want it. I want 
Knott's Berry Farm to be half ghost town. It already is at least 40% ghost town. So we're, we're not more. pushing it that much farther. <laughs> this, is, this is my my Kylo Ren voice. More! <laughs> more! <laughs> Fire everything we have at that ghost town! <laughs> exactly. Except the opposite of firing. Expand that ghost Expand town. Expand that ghost town. Make it bigger. Like, really open the space up. Get rid of the bottleneck issue. And, and, and keep the theming consistent. And now, and now this part is going to be a note to Nuts Berry Farm as a whole. The, um, they're so close to being a California theme park, a California themed theme park. Disney's California Adventure tried really hard to be a California themed theme park and they did a pretty good job. Yeah, DCA 1.0 gets a lot of flack on this show and in the world. But they did a pretty good job if you wanted to make a theme park that is like a... That is California themed. But that, I, is, that is, yeah, it collects popular ideas and images of California. You describe it as a postcard. I might describe it as an advertisement for California. And um, that is great, but it's not there anymore. Like they've right. got Buena Vista Street and a couple other like pieces that kind of feel like California. And it's still called California Adventure. But I want... I, but like they, they've started leaning harder into the Pixar stuff and the, you know, they, they've kind of branched in, in a different direction. And I want Knott's Berry Farm to take up the mantle and become the California themed theme park in that in this area. And specifically, it can be Southern California themed theme park. Like, I want the ghost town to lean really, really hard into being about California gold rushy ghost uh, like ghost towns i want to i want to expand and uh, and update fiesta village to make to celebrate our mexican heritage down here in southern california i want the i want the back part of the park i don't know what it's called now and they're working <laughs> on it but i need it to be more surf culture themed it's close but it's not there yet it's and then there's the back left corner of the park which is nothing there's nothing there's nothing over there what is what is over there bumper cars they're gonna put Knott's Berry Tales there oh that's coming back because that was yeah okay that was the original dark ride there it became the time machine one the time travel dinosaurs thing and then it was Iron Reef for an unfortunate period more Um, I need more There's just a random bumper cars thing back there. I don't know. And it's so broken. Half the cars don't work anymore. Yeah. What is that back corner of the park doing? Make it more ghost town for all, you know, yeah. I don't. It I mean, it is, it is home to the Charles M. Schultz Theater, which is, well, you know, pretty, nice. pretty good. Um, I know somebody and, who performs there. Yeah, there's a fountain there that was in a, in a movie that people know and remember. Gosh, I can't remember what movie it was in at the moment. Make Ghost Town bigger. (laughs) Make Um, Ghost Town bigger. Make Knott's Berry Farm what California Adventure always should have been. That's my thesis statement for this episode. (laughs) It's a good thesis statement, too, because there's nothing wrong with the best of California in a theme park. And I I agree with you. It's so close. You know, one thing you didn't mention is Camp Snoopy (gasps) and the way that it just captures the fun and the joy of camping in California's wooded wilderness. Yeah, we have so Um, much of it. And that craftsman style of everything. Like, it's there. And and when you say more. More. (laughs) I know what you mean. I just want more. 
and, and Knott's Knott's is not a half day park. No, uh, no it is not. It is it is a three quarters day park. <laughs> um, <laughs> and it can be just a little bit more. And I think it can it can compete with the best of them because of the case study that is Calico Ghost Town. Yes. If everything at Knott's were as considered and balanced and well-maintained as Calico is, there would be no question in my mind. Knott's is a destination. Because of those little annoyances and the ways that it doesn't quite go far enough in, in a few places, in theming on things like Montezuma's or Jaguar, or, you know, the fact that the, uh, the tower, the sky tower, is, like, a little rusty uh, and drips water for some reason. <laughs> uh, you know, like, if, if all of that stuff were just cleaned up, you know, if we took out some of the carnival games and put in another attraction, if some of those flat rides got a little bit more surf-themed... More surf-themed! Like, not Coast Rider's could... pretty close. Coast Rider is pretty close. I do like Coast Rider. And what's great about Coast Rider is that it's the Ghost Rider pun, but also it's it's a really awful mousetrap, which is one of my favorite kinds of rides. Um, but I don't know. I just, I love it. Um, and I just, I... I want to reiterate my deep affection for Ghost Town and the rest of Knots. I know it can be better. And I know it wouldn't be hard to make it better. It would be hard, but it wouldn't be like... It wouldn't be impossible. It wouldn't be impossible. We might have to see a little bit of uptick in uh, entry fees. Yeah, it might, it might get a little more expensive. And that's the other thing that makes Knox not so special, is that it, it just it just isn't expensive. It isn't expensive. I guess if, if we really wanted it to to be more, <laughs> we we would have to pay more. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I feel like I'd, I'd be willing to, but I, then maybe it would lose its local charm. It might. What a tough question. I guess that means that there's only one thing left to do. And what's that, buddy? I say something like, Well, Alice, it sounds like our time talking about Knott's Berry Farm and Calico Ghost Town has come to an end. But the conversation does continue online. Oh, yeah, so you say that, and then I say the conversation must continue online because I need to hear what everybody thinks about about Knott's Berry Farm. Yeah, and, and what it needs and, and where it can go from here. And the best way to have that conversation is via the internet. Ah, the internet. Ah, uh, the, the internet. The greatest local theme park in the tri-state area. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And the best place, the place where you will always find us uh, is on Twitter. Yeah, I'm always on Twitter. I'm at Buddy underscore Duquesne. Duquesne is spelled D-U-Q-U-E-S-N-E. And I'm on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Alice White THP for those happy places. And if you like what we do, you like the show, if you like thinking about theme parks and why they matter and what's good about them and how they can be even better, then you might consider supporting the show. There's a couple of ways to do that. Uh, my favorite way to support the show is to tell someone you know will love the show about the show. 
Yes, tell all your friends, all of your theme park loving friends, all of your like literature analysis friends. We know you have them. Yeah, tell and, them about the show. And and the thing is, uh, we can tweet and tweet and tweet until our wings fall off. Uh, mm-hmm. But a, a personal recommendation from somebody who's heard what we do and likes it and knows somebody who will enjoy it as well uh, is worth a million tweets, maybe more. Absolutely. Um, And if tweeting about the show and telling your friends about the show is just not enough for you and you want to support us with a little bit of your hard-earned cash, the place to do that is our Patreon. Patreon.com slash thosehappyplaces is the place to go to uh, support us with your money, uh, which we can put towards making this show even better. Yes, and to, to all of those who do support the show, we love and appreciate you so much. There are so many different tiers that you could join, so many different levels of support, and we can send you things like uh, postcards and stickers and uh, there's little pins, little buttons in in these little packages that I send out. Uh, And if that sounds good to you, if you want some of those, go ahead and check out the site. Uh, Another one of the rewards we have is to get your name read on every show that we do for all of our podcasts. And we do a lot of shows and podcasts. So to all of the gentle people and scholars uh, who are supporting us at that tier, we would like to thank you now by reading your names. Yes, here we are. Charles G, Oslam C, April L, Ree J, Ian E, Nick H, Joe W, and Kate P. Thank you all so, so much for everything. Yeah, this show and all of our shows would not be what they are without your support. Uh, Alice, we actually just started a new show called Greetings from Cyberland. Yeah, we just started a show called Greetings from Cyberland. It is a lovingly critical revisit of the hit musical and film Rent. Uh, If you like Rent, if you don't like Rent, if you want to learn to love Rent, we are here. We've got this great new show. It comes out every month. We are just about to release our second episode um, where we talk about the first half of Act 1. And uh, it's really good. It's super fun to make. And uh, I think I think y'all would really like it. Yeah, I think you would too, because it's just like this show, but about one musical forever. Um, <laughs> but it is a, a limited run show that we were able to put together partially because of the support of our Patreon. So Definitely. Uh, to everybody out there, thank you for your support. And Alice... I am going to add some music to this episode. Oh, some music to this episode. Where would you have gotten that music? Well, all of the background music that you heard was from Kevin McLeod. He has a website. It's called incompetech.com. On that website, we can use the tracks we see there if we say thank you to Kevin uh, and post this Creative Commons 4.0 attribution license in the show notes so that you can all check it out and also so that I can post a track list there as well. Uh, and that's all free of charge and Creative Commons, which is like amazing and important. So thank you, Kevin. Yes, thank you, Kevin. Thank you so, so, so much. Uh, but buddy, what about this theme song that's ramping up right now? Oh, I believe you are hearing the uh, sweet, sweet tones of Golden Gate by the California Feet Warmers featuring Phil Alvin. It has been our theme music for a long time now, and we cannot thank them enough for the use of it. Yes, thank you so much to the Feet Warmers and to Phil Alvin. If you want to hear more of their music, you can check them out at thecaliforniafeetwarmers.com. 
Alice, you are my best friend, my favorite co-host, and honestly, I I just really want to go to Knott's Berry Farm now. <laughs> That's what this episode did to me. Oh it's God. it's all all I can think about is how fun it would be to go to Knott's. Uh, and so I would here now like to say that as soon as we both can, uh, we will. Yes, absolutely. I would give anything to be on the road with uh, our breakfast burritos in hand, <laughs> heading to Knott's Berry Farm, just like the good old days. And someday that will become a reality again. Thank you for uh, for the idea for this episode and for all of the hard work that you put into the show. You're my best friend. And to everyone out there, thank you for listening, and we hope you return to those happy places. 